Hello and welcome everyone. I am Cale Flaggy and this is the Made in Gainesville podcast. On this show, you'll hear stories and get insights from business owners and leaders from across the nation that have ties to Gainesville. On this episode, we'll hear from Krista McIver and Kristen Birdsey Clapp, Gainesville natives, best friends, and founders of the Education Station Preschool and Daycare. Kristen and Krista will share some exciting expansion news with us that was made possible through their Gainesville connections. We'll also discuss how they got started, unique situations they face as women business owners, and the daily challenges of running the Education Station, including Code Brown epic blowouts. Enjoy! heard you had some exciting news for us. Would you like to go ahead and get that out? Dum, da, da, dum. Okay, so here's what I was going to say. So since the name of the podcast is Made in Gainesville, right? We were made in Gainesville. Our business was made in Gainesville. But one of the things that I've learned that's been so important for us is also the connections we've made in Gainesville. Because as they like to say, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And we've really, um, as we've grown, have found out just how true that is and how valuable the connections we've made Um, throughout our lives here, how valuable they've been to us. And so those connections, how has that coincided with your business? So most recently, it's coincided with the growth of our business. So um, one of our friends uh, who we went to high school with, Nick DeCana, his little boy goes to our school now. And somebody else had mentioned to me that Mitch Glazer was was working on an expansion project kind of out in the 441 um, Alachua between Gainesville and Alachua Corridor. And so I, I had heard Mitch's name in that context, and I was like, ooh, maybe he wants to build us a building. Ooh, that'd be cool. And then Nick casually, uh, as drop off one day, is like, blah, 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 my mentor, Mitch Glazer. And I was like, what, wait, wait, what, what? You, you know Mitch? Kay, can you... Can you tell him, like, we would love to talk to him and see if there would be a good fit? And Nick was like, oh, sure, yeah. And so I think within like 24 hours. Yeah, it was really, it moved really quickly. Yeah. So um, Mitch came by the school. And of course, I think because we had a mutual friend, it made the conversation flow so easily and really naturally. And so um, we talked with Mitch. It all just kind of started working out and pieces started coming together and um, we are thrilled to announce that Education Station and Preschool is opening its second location at San Velasco Tech City which is Mitch Glazer's um, awesome development. So it's really cool too because it's um, obviously the name of our business is Education Station so education is kind of important to us and there's already so many of the types of customers that we're going after in that area. You know, you have, um, I mean, you live out there. Yeah, there's RTI. Um, I mean, you've got Progress Park, which is full of uh, biomedical companies and technology companies. Um, you have all, you know, with with the corridor, you have people coming into Gainesville, so they'll come right past us um, on their way to other big tech companies. Yeah, and then the city of Alachua, too, has also, it seems kind of like a natural fit in the sense that they've done a really good job um, attracting young families because they have these really great um, recreational facilities and, like, their Fourth of July thing is amazing. So they've, the the city of Alachua itself has really done a good job of attracting, um, you know, young families. And there's a lot of people who, you know, like, Chris, I think you bought a house out there and it was... Yeah, I mean, we I mean, we chose to live out there. Um, we we looked in Gainesville, Alachua, and I'm born and raised in Gainesville. This is my first uh, venture outside of Gainesville. Um, but I, we kind of like the small the small town atmosphere. But there's still stuff to do there. 
um, which is nice. And when you run out of stuff to do, there's, you know, you're, you know, within a couple of uh, I-75 exits to anything you want to do in Gainesville, which is awesome. Tech City specifically, we were really excited about that partnership because um, we're actually one of the few schools, I think we're one of two in Alachua County who is eco-healthy certified. We were we were one of the first in the state of Florida. So um, it's through the Oregon Environmental Council and they have this, it started out as a pilot program in their state and they took it national. So it's just basically like kind of a lot of small steps that we hope add up to a big change. So. Um, but because of that certification, obviously we're concerned with sustainability and sort of the imprint that childcare can leave. So, you know, we're cloth diaper friendly and we, we don't use, we use deep free pesticides and some of those types of little things. Um, but San Velasco Tech City is going to be solar powered. So the energy component, and <laughs> I don't want to go on a GRU tangent, but the energy component alone is going to be a huge benefit for people. Um, so, and the fact that they're trying to create kind of this sustainable work live environment I think is really perfect for our kind of clients so okay so the big news is you're open a second location that's the big news in Tech City which is out toward Alachua um, but could you tell me a little bit about the education station preschool and daycare we Kristen and I like like we said before we're born and raised in Gainesville um, so we both graduated from the University of Florida uh, Go Gators. College of Education and we uh, decided to open up our own preschool in 2010 after working in some uh, preschools in the area. And so it started out with just Kristen and myself and two kids. Um, here we are in 2019 and we have a full capacity, 78 children, uh, staff of 16, 16 staff members now. Um, so we've definitely seen a lot of growth. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because it was definitely like a, a field of dreams moment in the, you know, we started saving our babysitting money and filling up Krista's mom's storage unit until she got irritated with us in her space and rented us our own storage unit. And we, you know, yard sale here, yard sale there. And we gathered up toys and then we filled up the storage unit. We're like, oh, maybe we should look for a building. And then um, we, we were so lucky to have the support of our families along the way. Um, like Krista's brothers um, built built our first fence. You know, uh, we blood, sweat and tears. But so we kind of, yes. you know, we took the leap of faith and here we were with these two kids and we had to not just sell parents on, here's what it looks like now, but here's kind of what we hope to it to grow into. Um, and we're really grateful too because uh, the Freemans um, were really helpful in us getting that first our first building, and you know we were really young, like what were we were like 27, 27, and um, sort of every little step along the way I think kind of increased our confidence. You know, like the Freemans took us seriously. We were like, oh look, see, we can do this. You know, and then um, you know parents who started to tour, and then parents started to enroll, and then it was like, okay, see. We're, we we can do this, and so um, the second location has really always been a, a hope and a dream for us. We've just been really patient in making sure we wait for the right opportunity, as compared to just rushing into the next opportunity. So, um, you know, we've looked at a couple of different locations along the way, and this one is the first opportunity that really just checked all the right boxes. So we're so excited and just super grateful. So, how do you make that startup transition phase? I mean, to me, with the daycare, people are very um, careful with their children, children generally, um, you know, so you just opened a daycare. How, how did you convince parents to bring their kids there <laughs> when, you know, you're not a, you know, full enrolled brand new, you know, what made you convince them to take that leap? I mean, I think, I think what helps us 
is that we we've always kind of talked to uh, potential families and current families like the kids are, you know, we are invested in the kids. And I think once you show that you care about the kids and you want the best for them, um, you know, you start building that trust Mm -hmm. with the parents, which is really helpful. And I think we're both, (laughs) sometimes to a fault, I think we're really authentic people. (laughs) And I think people kind of have a a nose for if it smells fresh or not you know and so i think that authenticity i i feel like that's able to be felt kind of as we give tours and um you know one of our core values is that we're teachers first but child focused and i think we do a decent job most days of communicating that to parents and then also kind of the proof is in the pudding so you know it's not always smooth sailing we get kids get bumped and bruised and you know things happen and i think kind of the way we handle when it's not perfect also builds that trust because, you know, I joke that they need whiskers at that age because they just crash into walls periodically. It's like their bodies are growing so fast they can hardly keep up with it. So, you know, now we have technology more on our side. So we'll text a parent like, oh, so sorry. There's a, we got a little goose egg, but here's what we did. We gave lots of hugs and kisses. We gave boo-boo ice. And now parents are like, oh, whew, okay. So it kind of gives that sense of relief that we're you know handling the challenges as as well as they want you know want it handled kind of thing yeah and i think also um we another one of our core values is valuing individuals and so we know that it's not it's not a one size fits all so if you know if you're a uh, child needs to come up to the front office before they go to their classroom and just you know chill out for a second we're we're there for you whatever whatever our families need we're there to make sure that their transition um, to our school when they first start and the transitions to the starting the morning every day are what the what the individual child and the, what the individual families need. Yeah, and on that same kind of um, that same in that same vein, as far as trying to make sure we value individuals, we also try to be really respectful and mindful of kind of the cultural differences that each family has. You know, there's sort of the big cultural differences like religion, but then there's also little cultural differences like how do you discipline at home? You know, how do you what are what are your techniques for if a loved one passes away? Like how you know those sorts of little things that you may not consider when you're like, all right, let's have kids, honey, I'm ready. You might not think to talk about some of these things. So we try to be really um, mindful and respectful of everyone's kind of personal approach to child rearing and make sure that we're all on the same page so we can work together. So any parent knows that daycare is very expensive, um, especially if you have multiple kids. Ooh. But there's some value added to your daycare business model. You have full-day daycare service. You know, there's no cutting them loose at 2.30 or anything like that. <laughs> uh, and my huge favorite, you provide breakfast, lunches, and snacks. Is that correct? Yes. And I honestly, I'm so proud of our meals that we serve. Um, I I take, and Miss Krista too, I think, we take great pride in sometimes the stuff we're able <laughs> to get the kids to eat. Like, ha, our kids have Brussels sprouts. Yes, they did, and they liked it, you know. So we definitely try to keep it kid-friendly. Um, but still healthy. So if you want to talk about some of the menu features. Yeah. um, For instance, we, as far as healthy goes, we don't use any uh, canned vegetables. We only use fresh or frozen vegetables. Uh, Same thing with uh, fruit. We don't use any canned uh, fruit. We only use fresh or frozen. Um, And it's... We're juice-free, speaking of the fruit, too. Yeah, juice-free. Some schools will use a fruit juice as a way to meet a food group requirement, and we will just give a child apples instead of apple juice. I joke that as long as there's grandmas around, they're going to get plenty of juice, so... uh, 
and we try to stick with healthy snacks. So if if it says granola bars on our menu, we actually made that from scratch. It didn't, you know, we're not opening 50 packages for the kids to eat uh, granola bars. Um, if it says uh, pancakes, yeah. we made the pancakes. We make the pancakes, yeah. When we were still really little, I would actually like make it with their letters of their name. But, you know, that was cute when you had eight kids. And now we've gotten <laughs> away from that a little bit. But, um, yeah, and we really try to um, – make sure I, th- I think it's a service for our parents because let's be real working a nine to five job is hard enough you know it's there's a lot of stress just being an employee in the workforce so we don't want to add to that stress there's a lot of stress in parenting we don't want to add to that stress we only want to take away from that so we want to make sure that you as a parent feel really confident and comfortable with the environment you're leaving your child in and that we can take care of as much as possible when you leave when you leave our building so we also have laundry facilities on site so if your child during the uh, the days of potty training has an accident you are you don't come to pick up your child in a special to-go bag you just pick up your child and then we take care of the laundry part of it for you too so it's just really trying to make make the parents that children make the time that parents have with their children as enjoyable as possible so that way it's not the you know oh gosh and I have to scramble to make your lunch before we get out the door and you know some of those things it's really just we try to streamline the process how is the potty training situation at school Uh, it's always an adventure um we have a we have a code word code brown um so if there's a code brown you know that's usually Get the kids outside. <laughs> Vacate the premises and, you know, quarantine the situation and sanitize the situation. Um, but we really do. It's another thing. We're Potty training is such a sensitive time of development. It's never something we want to rush into. So none of our classes have, you know, you must be that you have to be potty trained before you move up to the next class yeah, or anything like, like that. Some schools will, will say, okay, well, the three-year-old class, but it's only for potty trained children. And what inevitably happens is parents rush the process and the school will rush, rush the process. Um, and that can be really detrimental and have like, you know, long-term things that you don't even realize the detriment that's been done. So we definitely try to make sure we... Are really patient and positive throughout the process because the bottom line I joke that if a child is typically developing they're not going to go to prom in a diaper so it's gonna it's gonna work out right and um you know we we make sure that the that the kids are completely ready so we start with you know the underwear over the diaper so they get the 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 practice of pulling up and down we make sure that they can kind of that they're excited about it. And we also want to make sure that the parents are on the same page because, you know, the kid could be ready, but the parents are not ready. And if, if, if not everybody is ready, then it's not going to be a happy time for anybody. Yeah, and we definitely want to make sure children are set up for success in that domain. So, you know, like like Krista spoke about, the, the readiness is, is so crucial. And then um, also, you know, we're big believers, obviously, early childhood is our business. So we're big believers in early introduction. So once our children at our school are in the one-year-old program, at every diaper change, we start offering them the opportunity to sit on the training potty. And the idea being that it's just never this novel thing. It's just kind of what they've always done. So that way when it's, oh, like, here's a plumbed potty that makes noises. It's like, oh, yep, this is what we do. And it just becomes a a really well-established routine. Um, And then it can help kind of uh, quiet some of those anxieties that come up for kids. Because let's be real, some bathrooms are really scary. Like the airport bathroom, that is not a kid-friendly place. You probably, you have to scary for me. It's right. Let's be real. Sketchy stuff could happen in there. So we just want to make sure that children feel um, confident and um, are set up for success. Just going back to the expense issue for oh, a yeah, minute. Yeah, we dodged uh, that, didn't we? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like it's, it might be kind of a, a life hack to work at a daycare and maybe get some, you know, 
daycare services as a perk to go with that? Does that? So Krista, you can speak on this. Well, I mean, none of us have kids yet. yet. Um, I am expecting. So yeah, honestly, I am relieved in the fact that my husband and I have not had to go tour 20,000 uh, childcare facilities and we don't have to be on 18 waiting lists. Yeah, all the waiting list things that I, I, like, I'm very, very lucky that I don't have to have the, that stress that a lot of um, new parents have because I, I kind of do have the built in, like I know where my kid's going to go. Um, so that's, that's incredible. And then also for employees that we have. Yeah, it's a huge benefit. Um, Cause like you mentioned, the cost is just extraordinary and it's, it's really unfortunate because I think there's probably a lot of ways we can address this systemically as a, as a society. Um, but until we're at that point, I mean, it just kind of right now it is what it is. And I say all the time that I wish we could do it for free. I would do it for nothing. Um, however, unfortunately, it's not the world we live in. So um, the cost is definitely, it's obscene. Um, however, let's try we, why we want, why we try to make sure we give you as much as possible for the money you're spending. If you're going to have to spend this obscene amount of money to ensure that your child is safe and taken care of, you might as well get some bonus learning thrown in there. And you might as well get some really good, um, you know, life skills and strategies for your child. You'd mentioned the wait list. Can we talk about daycare wait list for a second? Oh, yeah. You have a you had a wait list horror story, didn't you? Yeah. Well, we had twins, and Ooh. we put them on a wait list for daycare, and we got, and this is when my wife was pregnant, uh-huh. and we got a call saying that they were accepted when they were four and a half, I believe. Yes. Uh, I, I routinely tell people um, that as soon as you know you're pregnant, you need to start touring. And we often, because of that, we are often the first to know before even family members know that, that somebody is expecting because you, it's, it's incredibly hard to get, um, a spot for infants, especially. We, we try to be really respectful too, cause you know, it is, it is a sensitive topic. So people aren't always eager to tell you. So we have like this very elaborate coded system in the waiting list. So if anyone happened to like glance at it, it's not like, what? I didn't know they were expecting number two. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the issue is that um, with the, the smaller the child, the lower the ratio is. So whereas with a four year old, they might have um, in our program, they would have 14 others in their class um, with if you have an infant, then there's only three other spots in their class that can be filled. So um, especially for infants, the the uh, the space is very limited. Um, yeah, and it's a real challenge. And I, I'm really, I'm so glad that we're actually opening up the second location because I hate, I hate getting those calls from a mom who, you know, it's like I was on three lists and they said I had a spot. And you know, you get those calls and it's just heartbreaking. And I, I want to take all the babies because I think, I think we really undervalue um, as a community just how important and powerful childcare is for families. You know, it really empowers families to be. Um, you know, to be able to provide and it empowers families to be able to kind of um, do what it is they do best for the world. And so when you have that childcare option, it just makes it just makes life so much better for everyone. So um, yeah, it's, we're, we're just very happy that we're about to have a bunch of spaces come available. <laughs> so that way we can help with some of the waitlist problems because it really is, it's tough in our area. I think it's even harder for people who are, are relocating to the area um, because, you know, a lot of times when you're moving to the area, you don't have the nine months that you were 
uh, you know, pregnant for to get on a wait list, you have to, you have to find a spot so you can start your job. And, um, we get those calls all the time and we, you know, we try to be as accommodating as possible, but I do feel for the families moving in from out of town. And I'm hope like, I'm glad that we're able to open up another school with even more spots because it's definitely something that's needed in our area. When can parents get on the wait list for the second location? So we are thinking we'll be able to open that process up toward the end of the summer, beginning of the next school year, um, maybe sooner. So fingers crossed. But we're definitely going to be uh, pre-enrolling spaces. You mentioned the two of you are childhood friends and started this business together. How is that dynamic? <laughs> I mean, most days it's good. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I only snapped at you one time today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's. I mean, we're. I'm really lucky that I get to go to work every day with my best friend of however many years. Oh, a lot of years. It's yeah. Like Twenty five, I think. 20, yeah. We 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 were we met uh, first day of middle school, so we were eleven years old and. Uh, We've kind of been stuck with each other ever since. <laughs> yeah, and it's really, honestly, there was a time where we were uh, business partners, roommates, and we still managed to to not kill each other. But I think part of it is because we really are like family at this point of being you know such close friends for so long. We have kind of had a lot of practice working out some of the dynamics as conflict arises. So we work really well as a as a team. And then we kind of tease each other that we managed to find the male versions of the other to marry. So like. I have some really weird traits in common with Krista's husband and same with my husband with Krista where it's like, see, we know how this works. We've, we've got practice with this personality. So um, yeah, and we're, we've been able to make it work. We had to iron out some kinks, you know, in the nuances of, you know, like whose role is this and who's in charge of that and well, what happens if you're not doing your best job and then what happens if I'm not doing my best job and kind of those nuances. but. So far, so good. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, we don't throw things at each other or anything like that. Not in public. (laughs) No, I mean, yeah, it's... It definitely at the beginning was was a little bit difficult because you you forget that you still have to carve out time for our friendship. It's not, you know, we don't... I don't don't get all I need from our friendship from just going to work every day. And the same thing is, like, we have to make sure on friendship time that we don't talk too much about work because we could talk about it forever. So it's just it's just that... Like, one of our one of our friendship activities that we have routinely done is we choose one... Oh, no, what are we doing about that this year? We'll figure it out. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Krista's due, like, the first football game. Yeah. I'm, I'm slowly getting over it, but... <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, because we... Tailgating is one of our, our friend activities that we do together. And so we've always chosen one away game a year to go to, and that's, like, the perfect, ex- you know, example of the here we are in six hours in a car together so what do we do we start talking shop because it's like oh yeah oh what do you want to do about that class oh I have this great idea for this art project oh yeah that and we just you know so the good news is we love what we do um, and I think like Krista said we've gotten better about making sure we do kind of carve out that friend time as well the two of you are women business owners and talking earlier uh, you had mentioned that you still in you know 2019 encounter people that seem really surprised that you actually own the business so this is how it usually goes <laughs> how do you handle those situations <laughs> this this is how that goes down so we're at some you know gathering a uh, networking group or some event in town and so like, oh you know hello hi krista nice to meet you what do you do i'm like oh i i own a preschool oh you own a preschool oh is it like a franchise no, no, no. My friend and I opened it up together. But you, wow. So you, just the two of you. Wow. That's how it goes. And we're like, 
wow, wow, you know, and I, I, sarcasm is my first language, um, so it's, it's mostly challenge for me to handle it professionally, <laughs> um, so, but usually we're like, mm-hmm, yep, sure, sure enough, and we, especially being um, younger women when we opened, we're routinely still referred to as the girls. Oh, yeah, we told them we were going to stop by and see the girls today. Just check on y'all, see how you're doing. And mostly we take it as uh, a term of endearment. But every now and then, it's just that little, like, oh, one day, one day. Keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> so what is, yeah, I guess it's probably the double whammy being women and younger when you started it. Right. It's probably. Right. Yes. Like, I, I really... I wish I had a nickel for every time a person who neither had a business degree or an education degree um, offered me unsolicited advice about how to run my business. You know, it's like, oh, thank you for that. What do you do? Oh, you work in IT, right. Mm hmm. You know, like, that doesn't. Thank you for your perspective. And you find that people treat you different once they realize that you are the owners? Oh, that's we've had a couple of fun ones of those, but nothing, nothing too bad. But there's a little a shift. There's a little sometimes a little shift. You know, it's like, oh yeah, hi, <laughs> yes, I write the checks. <laughs> what is the craziest or most unbelievable thing that has happened in the daycare? You know, epic blowouts, anything? <sighs> yeah, anything like I mean, that? I mean, epic blowouts. Like, what what day that's of the week routine, are we? Yeah, yeah, what day of the week are we talking about? Um, gosh, most uh, crazy thing. Oh, man, I should have studied up for. I should have thought about that. It's an obvious question. Um, well, the from my one that sh- informed my decision making is actually from my experience when I was a child in childcare in Gainesville. Um, there, the school that I attended um, at the time was surrounded on three sides by six foot chain link fence, but it uh, backed up to an, another property, so that fence was only four feet. So I um, devised this very elaborate, I've been a problem solver from way back. I devised this very elaborate um, escape plan. So I hid under a play structure, waited for my friends to go inside. I think I had like a lookout to say I was in the bathroom or something, and then climbed over the four foot fence, walked around the six foot fence and was in the parking lot headed toward uh, Archer Road. And a former teacher stopped by to visit and was like, oh, hey, Kristen, where's your mom? And I was like, at work. She was like, oh, okay, come with me. So because of that, we are obsessive about counting children. <laughs> um, we do what we like to call a name to face where we go by with our little clipboard and like, yep, you, there you are. Yep, you know, to make sure we always have everybody. And we have privacy fence to try to discourage the little feet from, from even attempting to climb because I think chain link, it's really, it's like entrapment, honestly. It just, it just begs to be climbed. Yeah, so, what else are those little holes for? They're like obviously perfect, feet. Perfect kid foot size and hand size. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely that was, you know, a crazy experience. Um, I mean, I worked at it. This wasn't at our school, but I worked at a school um, and I, I was I was a, probably my first year there. And um, I had the little kids in diapers and one of them goes down the slide. And I noticed there's a streak down the slide behind them. And this was, wait, I have to give a little background here. This was an indoor oh. play area, and it was it was not easy as an adult. No, it was, uh, it was, it was like wear. the tube slides, you know, not open slides, but like the enclosed slides. And so this little kid had a, a blowout while going down the slide, and so that was... 
That, that was, was a perfect indoctrination until working with small kids is having to climb down a slide with bleach and a towel, you know, and clean up everything. So, and I still wanted to be a teacher after that, which is pretty that's amazing. The, that's the more remarkable yeah. part. Oh, I did. We had one little one who, he bless his little heart. He just, as an adult, you would say this is just an anxious person, right? Like he... It took a while for him to really calm down after drop-off. And then once he did, he was fine. He played with friends. He ran around. But during that time, he would cry until he vomited. And it didn't take long. It just really didn't take long. <laughs> and it was just... Um... I, every morning, we knew that, that he had gotten chocolate milk. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd blocked that. Thanks, Krista. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I, you know, I have a lot of strengths, but that is not my finest, you know, moment because you're trying to, like, comfort this child because you know it's like he can't help it and you just want to provide comfort. But at the same time, because of my nature... I just don't have the strongest stomach. And so I'm like, oh, let's not make this worse. We don't need grown-up problems on top of child problems. So that was a fun one. Yeah, I usually, and that, I remember that situation. Kristen would be in charge of taking the kids out of the room and I would, you know, have to, I, you know, clean up because I have a stronger stomach than she does. Mm-hmm. So that's how that team, one. That teamwork I can, works. I can do number twos until the cows come home. <laughs> But well, the chain reaction vomiting is a real thing. So it is. Does that, yeah, that's does me. that happen? That's is there, me. I, did other so kids I, start barking I, I didn't want to get too graphic, but I actually had to share the bucket with a child at one point because of the chain reaction <laughs> that you speak. And that is when we established the rule that I don't do that because that's just not helpful at that point. So She's much better at, at distracting the children I, and getting them out I of the... I sing so many songs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to you know, t- uh, upset your listeners with my singing, but the kids are so non-judgmental. They, lo- they love my singing. <laughs> Well, Kristen, Krista, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. I said you guys at all, so that's a plus for me. Did you have to? But that's what I took this language and culture class in college, and that was one that was super fun um, to talk about, like kind of those, you know, colloquialisms and how oh, yeah. those things emerge and develop. My husband and I were interneting, and yeet came up. <laughs> so we we began yeeting all the time in our household. It was like, oh, yep, yeet, be there soon. So I don't know <laughs> how to like, use it. I'm a familiar with it. I don't know how to use it. When so do I, I use think it? you can use it in, like, I think it's sort of like a catch-all, like, similar to, like, MFR, you know, like, you could say, like, MFR for, like, anything. You'd be like, you know what, who is it? Some comedian has a bit about how it's, like, a noun, an adverb, right? I think yeet is the same. So, so if could, I drop something on my foot, I can say yeet. yeet. You could be like, oh, yeet. Or, yeah. like, oh, I'm about to yeet this sandwich, you know? Like, I think it could be, like, a show of excitement. <laughs> 